Lord, we thank you for this day that we could be here together, gathered in your name and that your word is truth and life and a light into our path. Lord, I ask that you would illuminate your scripture for us today. We welcome your spirit to illuminate the Bible, the scripture, anything, even the words you've spoken to us in the past. I ask that you would stir the giftings and the callings, even some of the things maybe that have been laid dormant amongst us in the house today, Lord, that you would stir them up, that there would be a remembrance of who you are, who you've always been, and who we are because of you. Amen. All right, good to see you. My eyes are adjusting a little bit. The blind spots are gone. I can't see you guys very well, but I can see this side, so So I'm going to sit this way today. All right. Um, Here's a little point I want to make as we get into the message today, all right, is that um, um, the New Testament, the epistles, which this is an, uh, means letters, right? Um, you have your gospels there, those, for, those four books, and you have your epistles. But these epistles, these letters are, are um, they're often what they are as a commentary on the Old Testament. But they are through the lens of the four gospel books yeah so it's almost taking the old testament it says several times in the new testament it is romans 15 first corinthians uh, 10 and 9 they talk about how these things talking about the old testament were written for us you know as an admonition for us in other words those who would walk in the faith you know as the sons and daughters of god you know the this is our inheritance. It's no longer it's a Jewish book. It's, it's all mankind. You know, the, the sons and daughters, the, son, the children of Abraham are the children who live by faith. They're really the children of the Lord. And, and so we're, we're, these things that happened to them were written so that we could gain understanding and insight from them and be admonished in them. And so these, these books, are, they're often a commentary of the Old Testament. They're seeing them through a lens that they have not been seen through before. And sometimes when the Old Testament is read, it's still read almost with a veil over the head as if we don't see through the lens, you know. And because of that, we have a skewed picture of who God is, which it almost is like portrayed as like the God in the old, this, the left side of your Bible is different than the God on the right side. He seems so much nice and gentle and forgiving and all these things. The other guy, you know, no, it doesn't seem this way, but that is the veil. You know what I mean? And it's poison. It is the poison of the very first fruit of the tree of the, good, of the knowledge of good and evil. And it causes us somehow to see through that poison of religion, see God through this lens of being both good and evil. And that's the veil, you know. Which was, you know, like Hebrews 10 talks about, the veil torn in his flesh was, was Christ, Jesus. You know what I mean? He came as the firstborn of many brethren, but also as the embodiment of Yahweh. Colossians calls him the fullness of deity embodied. <laughs> Everything of which God is in a human suit, walking around as the word, the logos of God, to manifest who God is. All this is review for you guys, but I think it's probably really important that our roots are stuck really deep into the person of the Lord Jesus as we read the Bible. Because we're going to go in to the wilderness as we've been talking about and through the Old Testament, but with the reminder of, of the Apostle Paul, really, not even just the me, but in, in 2 Corinthians 3, talking about we have this boldness to proclaim who God is, 3.13. Unlike Moses, who had to put a veil over his face, because he became so close with God that he started to glow, like a glow worm or something, for the 80s and under children, you know. They were afraid of Moses when he would come off Mount Sinai because his face was glowing, you know, because he had been connected to the glory of God. He never, he never really grew up. His, his strength uh, never waned as an old man. His vigor, you know what I mean? He was, he was, he was a tough dude. His eyes never became dim. What is this? That's, that's the, the, the natural aging process was reversed without the testosterone shots that everybody gets these days. You know what I mean? Moses was, Moses was swole when he was old. 
They, uh, maybe. So, but you know what I'm saying? He wasn't fragile. His, his flesh was rejuvenated in the presence of God, and he would glow like a glowworm. He would glow in front of people to where they were afraid of him. Say, cover your face. You're freaking us out. You know what I mean? So unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel would, could, could not look uh, steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds, it says, were blinded. For in, this is 2 Corinthians 3.14. It's important for us. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. He's talking about the, our, our roots, our Jewish roots in our history of even the Old Testament. It's like, hey, people have trouble seeing it for what it is because there's a veil over their eyes. And without that veil being taken away, which is Jesus Christ, in other words, he's, it's almost as if it's referring to him as the veil being taken away. In other words, he is the lens through which we see purely and clearly into the face of who God really is, because he is God. You know? And so it's not the mean father in the Old Testament and the, and the gentle nice son in the New. This is, not, this, is, this is bipolar, and I know it's popular, but there's a great undoing that's happening right now in the world. And it's causing a mass exodus from the religious system. And this is the root of it. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it is, that is, that's true. And it is the glory of God. It's seeing him as he truly is. You know, and this is pure theology, which is the Lord Jesus. And it's in our Bible. Even to, the, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Mm -hmm. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom that comes from actually stepping into this reality. Amen. Christianity that doesn't breed freedom isn't real. Or it's extremely limited from what we're called to walk in. And so here we have this, this that the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is liberty. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18. The more we see him as he truly is, the more those veils, which are misconceptions about who God is, are taken away from us. And also, the more we see him, Jesus, the reality of who God is, not only in the, the right third of the book, but even in the first books, in the original ones. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today as we're as we're moving into the reality of, of, of who Jesus is, who God is, we're going back into our teachings of the understanding of what the wilderness is, right? And so we're looking into that with this mentality in mind. Last week we called the wilderness, what was it? The, excuse me, the place of freedom, the place of identity. And we very um, intentionally went into the, some of the stories of the wilderness, the baptisms, the Red, the Red Sea going into the wilderness, the manna, the bread alone. If you weren't here, this, I, 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 I'm not going to back, go back. So we, it's on the uh, podcast. Anybody can find that. Um, but just, just for sake of time, as you can see, I want to, but I overteach sometimes. So I'm practicing not doing that. Um, but the reality is um, this will be layered upon that. But we can see the walk of the Spirit by looking at the wilderness walk of being broken out of Egypt and, and, and their, their, their lessons of the wilderness that they learned. It's for all of us to learn. But like we did last week, we started off in Luke 2. We started off in the, in the, um, the Luke and the Matthew version and the Mark a little bit to, 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 to kind of look at Jesus' 40 days instead of 40 years in the wilderness. And so now we're going to go straight into um, the Old Testament to a book that I am extremely fond of. And um, the book of Numbers, with this in mind, we're watching this like a movie, but also taking aspects of it that were written for us for those whom the ends of the age have come, that we're, we're walking in, not, not saying we're in the last days and, you know, hide your kids. I'm saying um, who are in this new covenant age, okay? So Numbers 13, we're just going to, it, it hurts me to do it like this because I just want to go thoroughly over teach it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to just say, hey, number 13, Numbers 13 starts. Israel's been broken out of Egypt, right? Israel's learned the, the, the first test that we covered of, of Exodus 16, that manna would come, the, the daily bread, that God was their provider. 
the wilderness is the place of the unseen realm. And it's them stepping out of what seemed to be the highest form of technology and safety, which was really a trap because their identity was slaves, um, into the identity of what it means to be free and to be a son and to be covered by God, to be fed by God, to be prepared and equipped by God for purpose and destiny of actually ruling and reigning in the earth, which was for them to go into the promised land that he had called them to and to rout all the Nephilim, all the giants, all the people groups that were unrightfully squatting on the territory that God's people were called to, to live. Amen. Which for us is talking about the earth. Yeah. Everywhere we set our foot, we're called, to, we're called to be fruitful and multiply. Amen. And the light of God in heaven is supposed to touch people through it. And so here we go. The, um, the Lord's been raining bread. The Israelites had kind of an issue of being very much uh, uh, negative and having a lot of complaints and being fearful. But there's something here that happens in, in Numbers 13. And it's a simple story where the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, Numbers 13, verse 1 and 2, he says, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, um, everyone a leader amongst them. So this is the story of the 12 tribes. And it kind of lists them to go and how they went out to spy, the, spy out the land of Canaan. And they also were going out on a 40-day trip to spy out the land to see what it was that they were actually going to inherit. Sounds like a good trip to me. Twelve of you go out, check out the promised land. Um, think about their background. Water coming out of a rock. You know, the powerhouse of the world, Egypt, literally giving them thousands, probably hundreds of pounds, if not thousands of gold and silver and jewels, begging them basically to leave. Amen. Pharaoh having a mind change, coming to change his mind and actually you know, wipe them out. And then the Red Sea opening wide up our first baptism. Them literally crossing on dry ground when Pharaoh comes in to try to, to, try to chase them down, <laughs> completely swallowed. The reality of like your old identity completely gone. The old control that you were under completely gone now free to follow me in the unseen, Amen. the place where everyone else was terrified. And here they are, their, their shoes had never worn out. Imagine having the same pair of shoes and never smelled bad or wore out, you know what I mean? And, and they had food all the time and water. And they were being trained and equipped to know who God was. He was in the very center of the camp. I think it was like 600,000 people at one point. And, and you know, and a, a pillar of fire hovered over the camp and over the city um, the city, the, the wilderness city, I guess, um, during the evening. Like a supernatural streetlight of a glowing cloud that, had, that was like billows of fire on the inside of it, glowing over them at night. During the day, a supernatural cloud, smoky cloud that would hover over them during the day, they were always completely and totally covered by God. This, the supernatural Christian walk that we are called to live as pilgrims in, in this world who are ushering in the kingdom. A climate, uh, a very, uh, not a great climate to live in, but the climate under that cloud was different than it was anywhere else. Yeah, it's like the culture of heaven was wherever his presence was. Yeah, and that was the rule, or that was, the, that was lesson one. Glory. Where we're at, the covering of God and him over us and the, and the difference of our, of our climate, it doesn't matter what it's like in the world, even in the most dry, arid, hot place, we're covered in a different way. And so this is all happening to them. And now God's given a green light saying, hey, the, the leaders of the 12 tribes, you know, let's send them into the, into the promised land, the place where I'm called you and inherit on the other side of the Jordan and spy out the land. And it's, it's beautiful because it, he even says, go spy out the land, which I'm giving you. So it wasn't go see if you think you'll be able to, to live there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go see if you like the land or not. You know what I mean? Go to see this, this, the reality of what I've called you to. Go get a look at it. Um, unfortunately, they spied out for 40 days. And um, they come back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children in the uh, wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back to them the word uh, to, to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And... Um, 
Let me see. They spied out the land. Um, I'm going to just read a couple little passages. Go spy out the land of Canaan, verse 17. See what the land is like, what, what, what the people are like, if they're strong or weak, few or many, if, if they dwell, what they dwell in is good or bad, whether the land is rich or poor, if there's forest there or not, if there's, you know, um, now's the time for the, the first ripe grape. So check out the fruit of the land. So they came and they, they cut down the grapes, of the, the cluster of the grapes, and they had to carry, the grapes were even so big and portion of the promised land, they had to carry it between a pole, which I've never seen anything. That sounds like they were like grapefruits, but they were grapes or something. You know, just massive, um, just fruitful place. Brought the pomegranates, the figs, you know, all, all of the stuff that they had going on. And um, they returned from spying after these 40 days. And they said, hey, the land that, we, that you sent us to in verse 27 was full of milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. It's absolutely amazing. However, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified, and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, which the Anak were giant tribes. This is the Nephilim. Um, the, the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the, the Amorites in the mountains, the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And so they started to actually stir up the congregation, which is just the, the, the mass of people. They're, they're communicating what they were seeing. And, and it sounds like the report starts off pretty good. This stuff is awesome. But by the way, there's monsters all over the place. People that are the descendants of part angel, part human, you know, hybrid people by our scripture, right? Genesis 6. And so it, as, 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 as the fear, the poison that is fear starts to go out amongst the people, it says Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Like, everybody be quiet, stop, chill out. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him and said, we're not able to, you're crazy. They're stronger than us. And those people, the ten spies, gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy is, is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people in it are of great stature. I wonder if that's Gibberim. Some of us, when are y'all talking about that? And, and we saw the giants, the, the Nephilim descendants, the giants, even that word there in, in verse 33 is Nephilim, the descendants of Anak that came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Wait a second. That's a strange sentence. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. It's like, you mean you compared your, you got into comparing yourself to other people and you, you associated yourself with just being a puny insect, basically. You know what I mean? For them. And um, they had lost their vision. So the only two spies that came back out of the ten with a positive report seeing that promised land was, was Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones who were like, Let's get it. You know, let's get it. Let's go. This is great. We've got this. And Caleb's saying, we should go right now. Like, <laughs> no more preparation time. You know what I mean? They have a different grid of the way they're viewing this. It's, it's like, man, how could people see the same place and the majority see a certain way? But the fearful side of the, uh, 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 the poison that came in through the other ten, it says all the congregation... Congregation lifted up their voices and cried and wept that night. And all the children of Israel started to complain against Moses. It's interesting, like complaining and negativity is really the language of fear and unbelief. You know what I mean? It just is. You know, the, the thankful heart, you know, it's like Psalm 100 verse 3. It's like we lift, you know, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Like somebody who has a thankful heart from the Lord, you enter his gates, you enter his presence. It's because you see things through a different perspective. And it causes you to see things through a perspective. That's not as a victim. It's somebody who's like, I'm totally covered by God. And so if he's pointing me in, the, in a direction, it's like, well, I guess, I guess you give me all them, them Nephilims, them giants, them angels. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, it's like, yeah, like, dude, let's get them. Let's get it. You know? And so, um, you know, but the majority of them started to, one, they were afraid, lifting up the crime, but then it, then it becomes complaining and negativity. So sometimes it's good to think, like when we get 
negative. We get into a place of complaining, which is contrary to the Spirit of the Lord and the fruit of God. Sometimes being present enough to say, like, wait a second, am I... Is there, a, is there a root of fear here that I'm believing something that I shouldn't be? Am I seeing th- through this lens as a victim? Because we're not victims and we're not even conquerors. We're actually more than conquerors in this Amen. life. Like all things work for the good for us. So it's just like, are we? you mean we're supposed to think that way? Like that sounds like some, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. Like that's, that's the way we're supposed to see things, you know? And so, you know, why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword? It's like, oh, now we're accusing God. Um. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they, so they devised a plan in Numbers 14.4, and they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. So it's like, now we've got a mutiny starting to happen. It doesn't, ha- doesn't fully happen here. It's going to happen next week. But, you know, it starts to kind of happen, and now we're against leadership. Now we're against, like, this is, you've done this. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's blame somebody other, rather than take ownership for where you're at. What's manifested in your heart? It says, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. So here they are. Can you imagine, like, we've walked through the, we've, we've been walking through the wilderness. We've been trained. We've been equipped. The Lord's smashed Egypt. And this place isn't as big as Egypt. Granted, they got a bunch of monsters living there. But, you know, it's like, here we go. And they're coming back like, look at, the, look at these grapes, dude. This grapefruit's incredible. You know, they're fired up like, woo! You know, like, we're going to go in today. We're going to go in today. Or like, they're, they're so excited to get back. And before you get the microphone to make your announcement, everyone else is making fearful announcements or megaphone. Maybe they had one of those. I don't know. But, you know, you catch what I'm throwing. They're like, hey, listen, uh, this is terrible. This is a trap. God's done this. And you're like, wait, wait, what? We think, we're thinking, we're about to go in, baby. This is the real deal. You know what I mean? And, and they're just like shutting us down. So they're here. They're ripping their clothes. Moses and Aaron falling like, oh, Lord, this is ridiculous. You know, you know Joshua and, and Caleb are, are ripping their clothes clothes and, and speaking to the congregation that said, hey, the, the land we pass through is an exceedingly good land. If the, if the Lord delights in us, he's going to bring us into this land and give it to us. It flows with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people, for they're our bread. I love that line from Joshua and Caleb, and it's especially important for me lately, but their protection has departed from them. It's like the only reason they stood before us is because the Lord's allowed it. But now the Lord's stepping us into a new level. These, this is food for us. That's how they see opposition. This is going to sustain us. They're not cannibals. We're going to eat these Nephilim alive, baby. This is, this is some you know, Aztec stuff. Like, you know, they're like saying, like, look, this is going to be good. You know. But it says, all the congregation, and all the congregation said... To stone them with stones. So that's how well they listened to, to Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> Says, you know what? We're actually going to kill you and Moses and Aaron. We're going to pick a new leader that's going to lead us back to the place of the religious system, to the place of comfort. I don't care. You call us slaves, but we were eating meat. We were having a good time in Egypt. That's fine with me. I won't have to deal with my issues of fear. I'd rather go backwards and live in the, in the world system than actually have to deal with fear which god was actually delivering them from Amen. it's like man what a you know what a profound another thing that's important when we look at this think of israel just like when when god told moses to go basically call out pharaoh and he said go tell pharaoh let my son go to me in the wilderness mm-hmm. and um Israel, I mean, even that name, like, that is prince with God. One who struggles with God, the prince with God. It's like, it's the name of a son. So they're the people of Israel, the children of Israel, the sons of Israel. But, like, this is, is representative, representative of a person, which we can see in our own selves. You know, sometimes we can look at it as like, oh, you know, yeah, all those uh, megachurch believers, you know, people get, or, or the Catholics or the Baptists or the non-denominational, you know, whatever one we are, we can think of the other ones that aren't and we can categorize them as the negative ones that need to be cut off from holding us all back. You know what I mean? But instead of going that route, 
we can go in the route of seeing a son of God being led by God through the wilderness of this world. And the, the aspects, not only just the thousands of people we're getting cut off constantly, but like the aspects of our person that, that have been derived from the nature of Adam, the fallen nature of Adam that are not supposed to be a part of us. Everything which was in Adam has been nailed to the cross. Colossians 1 and Colossians 2 talks about this reality. It's like you're not who you once were. And we see this stripping of people, but we can actually, we, if we can really look at it, we can see it, the stripping of the aspects of our own life that the Lord is causing us to remove because he's leading us into this place. It's not, just, it's not a disqualification. It's the growth and walk of maturity. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? And so that's the lens we want to look through this, not smacking on some other religion or church or any of that type of thing. It's like, it's the lens of unbelief being routed from the people of Israel, from ourselves. God bring us to this place that causes these things to manifest and these things to be removed so that we can still, you know, continually move forward in the things of the Lord. So all the congregation has a great idea. Let's stone them. So that's, so it sounds like four people were going to get stoned and, um, and that, that would be the end of the story in their own personal will because they were that afraid to move forward, which is just, just incredible. I'll tell you what, so much of the pressures in the Christian walk, when you really start to choose to follow the Lord and to go all in, so much of those pressures come from around you and usually from relational places by people that do not want to fully walk forward in the thing because it's too uncomfortable for them. You know what I mean? And that's what's happening here. You know what I mean? The majority becomes like, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, like, yeah, it's too much for you, but it's not for me. I'm following him, Amen. which is the right answer. Um, but yeah, that's where Moses and, and, and these, the four guys were here. But luckily, this is what happens. Let's stone these guys with stones in verse 10 of Numbers 14. But it says, now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. And the Lord began to speak with Moses. How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? With all the signs that I've performed to them. Right? So check this out. Moses had a tent called the tent of meeting. He would go and have, you know, instead of, because they had moved on from Mount Sinai. So he would go there and the glory of the Lord would come. That pillar of cloud or fire would come over this little tent, Moses' little prayer tent, right? And so Moses would go and he would meet with the Lord, it says as a man would meet face to face with somebody, which is just incredible. So Moses would come and he would interact with God in this tent of meeting in the wilderness. And then when he would leave, Joshua, he would creep up in the tent. So he would go connect to the Lord. There's not a lot written about it, but that's what Joshua would do, which is why Joshua was, as you'll end up seeing later on, such a bad dude. Because he, like Moses, had a connection with God. Amen. And he began his relationship to where he saw him as he truly was. And so they're like, this is an intense situation that we're watching here. This is like, let's kill these guys. They're actually calling us to move forward, which was like, no, God's calling you to. Let's kill them so we can like, you know, go, eh, I don't want to hear it. Let's flow full of milk behind the guys. Like, no, 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 too much, too much, too much, too much, too much. They're trying to turn a blind eye. It's like, hey, let's just cut them off. And then we won't even actually have to hear this perspective of moving forward. And we can all be comfortable again, find a leader we can get back to. We can just go back to the, ways, way, the way it used to be. You know, sound familiar. But that's just kind of the way this thing works sometimes. And, and so actually, if we can just kill them, you know, and then all of a sudden, that, that, that pillar comes down and boom, it's just hovering over that mint. That thing like, you know, these guys got some rocks ready to, and then they he see that fiery cloud come down. Boom. They're like, okay. Drop your rocks. You might want to back up a little bit. And you don't see Moses bow up at him. You know, you don't see him say, now what? Still want throw them rocks? You know what I mean? He just goes and meets with that. This is, this, the wilderness is the place of knowing the ways of God. It's one thing to know the Lord. It's one thing to know him in our mind and head knowledge. But knowing the Lord's ways are a completely another, a higher level of knowing someone. It's the intimacy that Moses had, that everyone else, it's not that they didn't have, it wasn't elite, is that they refused because they were afraid of God because of the veil. They refused it. 
And many people refuse it even now because like, I want to walk with them, but I don't want them to touch that. I don't want them to touch this. I'm not ready for them to touch this part, this part of my heart yet. I'm not, I'm not giving this away to them yet. It's the same game, y'all. It's the same thing that gets played now in the here and now because those who are close to the Lord is the, those who want to be and they choose to walk with them with an open heart, you know, and with open closets and open doors in their house, even the dark ones. Like, yeah, just look anywhere you want, have anything you want, you know what I'm saying? This is a, you have my will, the keys to my life. And so, boom, this fire comes down and the stoning, we hit pause on it, you know? But Moses comes into the Lord and the Lord says, well, I can strike, I can strike them down. I can strike all these people down. I can disinherit them and I can make you a nation greater and mightier than they, just like I did with Abraham. You know, he gives this idea to Moses like, Hey, what's the next play Moses? And here's, here's where we're stepping into. This is important looking at the Bible through the lens of the four Gospels. This is Jesus meeting with Moses. This is Jesus. This is God's full heart meeting with Moses. And Jesus saying, I'll just kill them all because I'm so mad. That doesn't sound like it would come out of his mouth. you know. But this is an option given to Moses who, God is, who is growing in his leadership, somebody who knows his ways. So he proposes this to him. Yeah, I can strike them down. Moses says, no, far be it from you. Because the Egyptians will hear it, you know, that you brought them out, but you couldn't bring them all the way in the promised land. If you kill these people as one man, because that's how we're looking at this, then the nations who've heard of your, your fame will speak against you and all these things. But now I pray, verse 17, let the power of my Lord be great just as you have spoken. The Lord, verse 18, long-suffering, the better translation, slow to anger. He doesn't get mad. And abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. By no means does he clear the guilty, but he visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. I ask you to pardon the iniquity of these people according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And the Lord says what? I've done it. I've forgiven them, just as you've said. This is a test, and this is the ways of God. Well, Moses, whom, you're about to get stoned, buddy. They're about to kill you guys. I can wipe them all out and start over with you if you want. This is the teacher. This is a rabbi. I can do this if you want. No, because Moses' thought process here. This book is 3,000 years old. You know, I mean, probably written during the exile. Babylon, probably not even written by Moses, most likely, you know, scholars believe, you know, written after, put, put together by their writings, right, by these stories, you know, but, uh, you know, this is, this, this, these books, you know, kind of put together, Moses's thought process, you know, hey, I could, I could kill them, I could strike them down, and what does Moses come back to, like, he comes back to his experience with God on the mountain, and he quotes the very thing that was quoted to him. See, it's the most... It's just like what we say in that 2 Corinthians 3 about seeing the Old Testament without the veil, without the lens, without the covering. But it's also, we are the ones who, without the veil, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as the veils are removed, we are being transformed from glory to glory. It's us who are changing. He doesn't change. Our misconceptions are removed, and we catch up to who He truly is, and then we glow. We start to reflect. And see, Moses had this because not only did Moses know God more than anyone else, but no, Moses knew God's ways. He, he was on a more intimate level. Exodus 33, see, this is the part of the movie. If I'm filming this and he's in that, you know, that's a traumatic scene. He's about to get hit with rocks. Boom, then the fireball shows up and everyone like, stops. And he goes in and the Lord asks him like, hey, you want me to, I can wipe these people out. I, they don't, it's, it's me that they don't believe. And the maturity of Moses, you know, you're about to be killed. Like, yeah, kill him. You're so offended that they've dogged you. You know, most people, you know. But the maturity, he's not even looking that. He's already thinking through the lens of who God is. It's like, and he says, no, I know who you are. Because in Mex Exodus 33, when Moses was afraid to lead the children of Israel, 
He said, God, you're telling us to do this. He had come under the same fear that they were coming under. You're wanting us to move forward, but he was, instead of like just manifesting it and trying to cut it off and shut it up, he actually took it relationally to the Lord in Exodus 33. And he told God like, hey, you told me you're going to be with us and you're told, you told me you're going to provide for us, but I'm te- like, God, don't play a trick. Are you really going to be with us? And God tells him in, in, this, in this experience that he's communicating with him, one of his many, in Exodus 33, verse 12 and 13, he says, I am going to be with you. And, Moses asked, and then Moses says, let me know your ways and show me your glory. Show me your glory. Which is such a strange question to ask in the, in the midst of this fearful option to move forward in the things of the Lord. But, um... Excuse me. But he's like, show me now your way. Exodus 33, 13, that I may know you and find grace in your sight. And in verse 18, he says, please show me your glory. These two different things, this intimate connection. And God literally tells him, I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. And I'm going to proclaim my name, my name to you. I'm going to cover you and hide you on this rock. And I'm going to actually give you what you're asking. And in Exodus 34, he does the exact thing that he asks. He sets, takes Moses on the mountain, sets him on a very specific rock, on this rock of my church, the rock of who Jesus truly is, was his real foundation. It's prophetic, it's parabolic for us. And it says, the Lord descends in the cloud, Exodus 34, and, 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 he, and he proclaims this thing that Moses is now quoting in Numbers when the people are afraid. The Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, aboundness in, abounding in goodness and truth, he's... Uh, slow to anger, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's own to the third and fourth generation. So Moses has this experience to where like he sees God. And Moses, uh, God tells Moses, I'm going to take you in Exodus 34. He tells him 33, I'm going to take you. I'm going to proclaim my name and I'm going to show you what my back looks like. I'm going to show you my back, but you can't see my face. And he comes and he shows him his back, which now, see, we've read the front end of the book. So we know what Jesus' back looks like. We know what God's back looks like. Here's God being Moses manifesting fear, but he's doing it in a relationship with a heart that's going to follow. And it says, let me show you who I am and what my back actually looks like. And we know from Revelation that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the earth. So I fully believe he saw the, the, the stripes, the beatings of his back prophetically that he would take on behalf of the people. And says, hey, this is how bad I want you to have your inheritance. Your fears that I'm going to leave you hanging, that I'm going to send you into something that's over your head, that I'm going to make a fool of you. This is how bad I want it. Now do you trust me? And Moses is like, I got you. I'm going with you. Now Moses is amongst a people who is dealing with similar fear, but it's got them to the point of murder. It's got them to the point where they want to destroy people. You know what I mean? (laughs) And the cloud, that was the flashback of the movie, but the cloud shows up, the pillar of fire, and it's like, come on into the tent. You want me to wipe these guys out, Moses? And Moses' wheels are turning. And it's like, no, I remember. I know who you are. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in love. You, you forgive the iniquity of thousands. You know, you pardon, you, you will pardon the iniquity. You don't, you, you, you by no means clear the guilty, but that iniquity is visited on the children, on their children to the third and fourth generation, which, which even that, it's like when, when the punishment is deserved, you spread it out through several generations to give us time to come to the understanding of what we can break agreement with. You know what I mean? Something that would come and just take us out. Bang! You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's lessened and it's stretched out in its time and its period to give us time as one person, as one people. You know what I mean? To actually learn from the... From the Honor your father and mother. Learn the good things that they went through. Understand these things, but also learn from their mistakes and break agreements with them to where the cycle of that demonic does not flow through our lineage anymore. This is the new covenant. That's worth the price of admission right there. This is the new covenant. And it's the way God is actually holding back the darkness from having having its grip on mankind. And we are the ones 
who will, will have a yes in our heart, not a no before the Lord. Even when we don't understand and break those cycles of fear. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. Of passivity. You know? And actually move forward. And here's Moses. It's, it's, it's clicking. He's like, this is who you are. Yes. I've experienced you. I've seen you. I've seen what you're going to take for us. And people, you can say, oh, you're ad. You know, look. What did Jesus say? And we just talked about this a few weeks ago. About Abraham. You know, Abraham desired to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Remember that? It was just like the Pharisees were trying to kill Jesus, and Jesus comes and he says something. So here's the lens of the four Gospels, right? The four Gospel cube. Somebody's trying to kill Jesus in, <coughs> excuse me, uh, John 8, and and. They're saying, hey, is, is Abraham, are you greater than Abraham? And, and he says, your father Abraham, 856, rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And they're like, what did you say? You're not even 50 years old. How do you know Abraham? You're 32, 33 years old, rabbi walking around, acting like Abraham saw your day. Abraham, the father of faith, stepped into a relationship with God in the Old Testament in such a profound way that we didn't see it until Jesus said it. Because now we're looking through the Old Testament through this lens. But Jesus literally said, he stepped into something where he actually saw my plans and purposes. He understood the seed of his lineage was going to actually release this messianic reality. And he was glad to see it. They said, well, you weren't even 50 years old. He said, yeah, before Abraham was, I am. So here's Yahweh talking out of a human body. You know what I mean? And they're like, they, the, all right, let's kill, let's stone them. You know what I mean? That's, the, that's pretty much the trick, right? Let's just throw rocks at it. You know what I mean? It'll make it go away. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? But it's like before Abraham was, I am. And, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but it's just like, here's Jesus, man, saying there's, there's relationship that people walked in in the Old Testament you guys have no clue about. But they started to get hip to what was going to happen in the new. They got to know me. You know what I mean? David says the same thing. Psalm 103, man, that's, that's one that's really been a hitter for me lately um, because it's, it, it literally quotes what Moses quoted to the Lord in the tent when he was about to get stoned. Psalm 103, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. One's much greater, the ways, knowing him. The Lord is merciful and gracious, he says, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. It's like, so here David starts quoting what Moses was quoting to God in the tent that God quoted to him on the mountain, you know, and David is another one of those people that walked in something that was, seemed really out of bounds. David violated the old covenant multiple times. Eating, you know, going into the, you know, into the temple, eating food out of the temple, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, that he should have been really in trouble for. But David stepped into a relationship with God that actually countered, he stepped into almost a new covenant, aspects of the new covenant because his relationship with God, he's like, no, it's like, no, I know who you are. He stepped through that veil, stepped past it. And here we are in the new covenant, seeing this stuff, even in the old covenant and, and how, you know. Moses and, you know, all these different things are happening, but it's like, it's like, oh, we're seeing somebody that's like connecting to the grace and mercy of who God really is. When there's an option on his plate, like God could just wipe these people out and start over with me, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not who God is. And then he comes out as the ambassador of who God is. This is what we're all called to walk in. It's not a what would Jesus do bracelet, which it's fine if you wear those. But there's something to being a mouthpiece and a representative of God, which is what Moses was, which is what all Christians are called to be. And it's somebody that knows the Lord by his ways. I only do what I see my father do. Does that mean we got to go prayer closet and have a vision before we make any decisions? Or does it mean we got to see him and we got to know him clearly without the veil? And the things we do are in line with the heart of our dad. And that's us. Even... Even to the point of forgiving, you know, blessing, you know, like, like Jesus talking to his disciples in Luke 17, like, hey, even if they, they wrong you uh, 70 times, you forgive them 70 times in the same day. Like forgiveness isn't an option. You don't hold it against them. 
Moses is actually walking in that reality because of God. Because I would have been like, yeah, pardon them all, but like kill like 30 of them. Set like 50 of them on fire at least just to make, give them a lesson or at least. But then pardon them all. That's what, that's what my vote would have been. But that, that would have been the nature of Adam. Still, still, still kicking, ticking. So hopefully that's not what it would have been. But it's funny to think about that. It might have happened that way for me. But he would have said, well, that's not it, DT. That's not the way we're, that's not the lesson here. You know, um, but Moses was able to see the people that wanted to kill him and his closest three friends, his only three friends that stood by his side, to plead for their forgiveness. And it sounds like Jesus' heart. Forgive them. They don't know. They don't know. They're just afraid. They're stirred up. One thing that's happening in that story is the poison of negativity and fear was being cut off from controlling the people. Because, man, fear can cause somebody to play for the other team. To, to lock arms with the demonic that actually wants to thwart the plans and purposes of God in somebody else's life. And it's a doorway. And it was a doorway into the people of Israel. To lock arms with fear in order to, to take control. Because the game's about control and manipulation. To take control of the people and steer them a different way other than God's plan and purposes. And we can look at this like the religious system or any business or any place else. But the, what I think is the most valuable to look at this as a son who's following the Lord through this wilderness walk of life. And those fears and things are coming up within our own heart. And we can deal ruthlessly with those things, set them things on fire, when we identify them for what they are and have, have no compromising voice or fear structure built in, um, you know, backdoor access built in that the enemy can actually reach in and steer our lives with. You dig? And this, this is the walk of the Good Shepherd. Now, we'll probably go into some of this more. I'll close up now, but, you know, um, you know, the Lord says, all, my glory is going to be known all over the earth in Numbers 14. But these men who've seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt, they had seen so many things. All the pestilence, all the plagues, all the, the Passover, all these different things. They put me to the test these 10 times. Mm, they're not going to see the land. But Caleb, my servant, has followed me fully. I love his name means dog. It's like, I love dog. I mean, that's, you know, they're like God made dogs for us, I believe. That's one animal the fall kind of skipped over because they still are friends and you know what I mean? They're just awesome unless you make them bad, um, you know, but they're, they're so loyal and, and sweet. But, you know, Caleb, old dog Caleb, uh, you know, he has, it says he, he has a different spirit because he's followed me fully. Yeah, full wholehearted. That's what Caleb's real wholehearted following the Lord, man. And um, it's a heart. It's like the ones that's hearts to follow me no matter what it looks like. You know what I mean? The valley of the shadow of death or the green grass and the water. It doesn't matter if I'm him with his rod. Like those, that's the heart of the inheritance that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get. So Caleb and Joshua, but he said, you know, these complaints is like, you know, these people are going to fall in the wilderness. Everybody from 20 years and above are not going to make it in this whole generation. And so you see what, what looks like a judgment, but what it was is, is this, those of the old mindset of fear and, and comfort and all that stuff. They said, we're, we're going to wander around for several years now. You know what I mean? Until they die off. God doesn't, God doesn't just smack them dead. Now something's about to happen here pretty soon, but it's pretty wild, dramatic. But, um, but at the same time, it's like, because of that, they're just not going to go in. And, um, but everybody, you know, 20, under 20, you know, they're all, as we're maturing, we're going to go through this process. We're going to learn the ways of God and we're going to actually go in. We're going to route all these Nephilim that you're scared of. And there's going to be a lot more of them because they're going to be multiplied and cooking it up this whole time. Them cities are going to be even bigger. But guess what? That's only more food for you. And cities you didn't inhabit, you know, that you didn't build, houses you didn't build, uh, vineyards you didn't plant, you're going to get all of it. So don't give in to fear because now it's going to be even bigger. You know what I mean? And, 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 and that's, that's, uh, that's what happened. So Caleb and Joshua were like the old guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were the only ones over 20, and Moses, uh, that, that continued to, to, to you know, go in. And so anyhow, I think we'll, 
end it right there, but you know, um, the point, you know, I have so many points with this. And I think if, if you're, you follow along and you read the Bible, there's so many things that could have spoke to your heart through this story because it can go so many ways. But one major point is knowing God's ways causes transformation. The more you know him, the less insecure of a person you are. You know, the less to look at yourself, to look inward, you know, to deal with anxieties and fears and stuff. The more we know him and the covering that he has for us, the love that he has for us, the more secure in our actual vessel that we truly are. And man, when we're not looking down, we're looking up. And when we're looking up, the rivers of living water that are in us in this covenant can flow out. You know, the world is, is, is starving for, you know, but uh, knowing him, we're the only religion we're transformed by glory to glory, by, by what we know, what we see and behold as we see him as he is, it actually changes us. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a brilliant thing, this, this new covenant, but it, it causes us to relate to others even as God relates to them, even in extreme conditions, just like Moses, you know what I mean? Just like Moses, even in extreme condition where, you know, at least kill 50 of them, like he, he still related to them like, no, I want them all to go in. I want them all to be forgiven. I want them all to, you know, that was his heart. And that's what true maturity and leadership looks like that we're all called to manifest. Um, another point is um, what was being cut off from amongst these people? Well, I would say fear and unbelief, which is the root of their complaints and all this stuff. Um, um, but, you know, uh, I thought it was wonderful that Moses did not take it personally and want to attack people back but he realized they were deceived by fear because he had dealt with the same thing in this walk there's people we are called to minister to and counsel and connect to every single one of us i'm not talking about a counselor's office man that when we walk through faith and we walk in faith and our trust in the lord we're building that resume that moses had that abraham had when he sent off isaac you know a couple weeks ago and all, all these different things to where it's transferable to the people we know and we end up just being like mary Talking to the servants, just do whatever he says. Just trust me, just do whatever he tells you to do. He says, oh, fill the water pots up, just do it. Just do whatever he says, man. I'm telling you, it's going to work out for you. It's the way, to, it's the way, you know, it's the ways of God. Um, um, but yeah, I, I think that's Moses' authority grows as he understands the ways of God and ministers the forgiveness and goodness of God. That was a place of stronghold which no one could take him out from. Man, that's real security. You know what I mean? It's just like he didn't know. His strength didn't grow dim, but he wasn't wielding a sword and a staff like fighting these cats. He wasn't throwing that snake staff down. Aaron, give me that staff. You know what I mean? He wasn't doing magic tricks no more. He was actually stepping into the, into the, the ministry of reconciliation and trying to reconcile people to God. And saying, hey, you're going crazy. This is madness. Don't go into that. You know what I'm saying? He was doing something totally different. Um, but yeah, nothing could take him out which we'll see next week, I think, a little bit. Well, Lord, we thank you for what is true, and that is your word, and that we can see the scriptures without a lens or without a, without a veil over us. We desire to see ourselves even through the lens of who you truly are, who you say we are, the beloved of God, and, and, and your scripture and your word. Lord, I ask that we would be a body of people who are effective, profoundly effective in releasing heaven into the earth in all things, that we don't see things in a way uh, through unforgiveness or pain or, or you know, taking things personally, but that we see them through your lens, through the love of who you are and who people mean to you. Amen.